Hi, this is Jacob Marcy, and you're listening to Fries on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 221 of Friars in the Farm podcast. I am Donovan, and with me is Roy. Oh, we're all stuck in the middle right well, now. I can't seem to get in a ride. Waiting for something to happen. God. You know, and but on the periphery, you know, things are starting to come. You know, things are, teams are starting to pick up stuff. I mean, you know, the Sunny Gray signing was a big deal. Yep. Um, Aaron Nola signing was a huge deal. That gives you a pretty good idea of what Snell's going to make. Then everybody wants to know what's going to happen with Juan Soto and what's going to happen with they're all there's a whole bunch of players from Japan and, and Korea are posting right now. Who knows? But we're stuck in the middle. We're stuck in the middle. Who who just who just signed a, a three year deal with twenty five million? It wasn't it wasn't Sunny Gray. That was Sunny Gray. Yeah, Sunny was Gray. It? Three years, okay. uh, twenty five million per. So he was a runner up to Cy Young. I mean, he had a fantastic year. He, he did. He he had a very good year. He's also 35 years old. So he's, you know, the aging curve thing. And last year was his first good year after a couple of okay years. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I felt like he was so highly touted several years back and just kind of went from team to team and never really like, went, holy cow, you know, the occasional breakout start, but you know, I, I don't know his number that well, but it just seemed like, wow, 25 million for a, you know, that's what happens when you have one good season. Um, yeah, yeah pitching is not going to come cheap. So you so you got to think someone's going to sign Snell for the 20, 27, 26. Yeah, 26, 27. Yeah, he's got to pull more than that. Probably going to beat Nola's, what was it, seven years, 170-something. You know, just just under 25 mil a year. But you know what? We we can't. We could sit here and just guess about who's going to get what. But, you know, yeah. that's what everybody's doing right now. We're here to bring minor league content about the Padres system. And today we got a special treat for everybody. We yeah, have an yeah. interview with Jacob Marcy coming up here in a little bit. We had to call the fire department and put him out because he has been hot, 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 dude. <laughs> He's had a phenomenal season. He really and, has, start to and, finish. And I can't wait to get into that with him. It's just like, I mean, moving up all the levels, you know, I, from from the high A stuff to to getting it to to double A in San Antonio, and then you know you know about a month before the end of the season that you're going to go to the Arizona Fall League, and he shows up there and just hits. You're like, okay, first week, so you know, he carries it in. You know, all of a sudden, second week, you're like, god damn, dude, he's not, okay. Third week, oh damn, you know. And after the third week, they're talking MVP. He's just just uh, can't be stopped. You know, it's incredible. Yeah, he needs a new uh, a new old trophy case in his home, wherever home may be. <laughs> well, the home the home is probably going to start in, in double A, and you know it, it's funny you can always just procrastinate about or prognosticate. Is that the word I'm looking for? Prognosticate. Uh, yeah, I think so. About where he's going to be in 2024. Um, you know, <laughs> some of the crazier ones are putting him in the lineup. Uh, I don't think we're that far, but it, it's fun seeing. It's fun seeing people kind of, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, put him in the lineup for 2024, which, you know, as it's stuck in the middle right now, it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities. There's so many realms of possibilities right now. All right, well, let's start. Let's start off with our major league minute. Uh, the pot. So well, I was hoping that we'd have news about a coaching staff, maybe yeah. some news about transactions. It's been quiet, but. 
among that quiet, the Padres have been able to do some things uh, to help honor Peter Seidler. So the Padres Foundation is launching the Peter Seidler Legacy Fund in his honor to raise funds for impactful charitable projects that align with Peter's passion and devotion to the betterment of the city. Uh, so they came out with a statement. Um, there's going to be a money matching program where um, donations to the fund are going to be matched by the team, the players, the, you know, a, a handful of different sources. Uh, so it sounds like it's going to be a really good thing for the, for the, for the community. That's fantastic. And, and no better way than, uh, you know, a legacy fund to to honor the, the the philanthropy of Peter Seidler and what he's meant to this city. Uh, you know, the Lucky Duck Foundation and uh, all he's done for the homeless. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to go somewhere along those lines. And, it, you know, it, it could be even, a, you know, some kind of art project or, or some other kind of, you know, charitable idea that, that really just betters the city. And uh, he certainly bettered the, the city by... Uh, taking over ownership of the Padres and what he's done with the team, but also, you know, what he's done for the Monarch School and the Lucky Duck Foundation and and, and the plethora of other uh, projects that he had just to make the city. You know, he's a lasting legacy in the city. Haven't had that here since Ray Kroc. Right. Right. And even that was, wasn't quite the same. I, you know, he didn't, right. I don't know that he was quite the same community figure. I think he was a bit of a celebrity owner because he owned McDonald's and that was a big deal. Uh, but Peter Seidler's a little bit different. And so the Padres are going to wear a patch on their jersey for the 2024 season. Uh, they're going to unveil the design. It sounds like in March they're going to unveil the design. But the announcement had a very nicely made heart with the initials PS in it. And I suspect that that's what the jersey, the, the patch is going to look yeah. like. And I couldn't, I don't think it could be any more perfect than that. No, the brown and gold with the, uh, with the, was the brown heart and the gold letters. Yeah. Um, it's simple and it makes a statement. He had a big heart and everybody that's had anything to say about him speaks to his kindness, his optimism, um, and how much he's just seemed to care about the people that were around him. You know, um, there have been so many different articles from people I've never even heard of talking about him. I, I saw the article in Forbes um, on him and, you know, Ken Rosenthal, I think wrote a piece and, you know, just when you can, you know, from our little Padre bubble, He's the greatest man that ever, you know, happened to pro sports here in San Diego. Um, but when you see all those outpouring of of uh, of support from him and other, you know, it, from all around baseball, uh, it just shows you what really how how an effect he had on not only the the sport but also the city. It really does. So Jesse Agler has a newsletter that I hope you guys all subscribe to. It's fantastic and it's free throughout the season. He's giving interesting insights into, you know, his life living on the road and covering baseball and all this. But uh, today, most of the focus was on Peter, who he got to know pretty well since uh, coming into the Padres in 2014. So from Jesse's newsletter, he said, if you got a group of fans from a random professional sports team together, locked them in a room, gave them a magic wand and said, create the perfect donor for your team, they would very likely come up with someone like Peter. As fans, employees, friends, I don't think there's anything else we could have asked for. He will be missed deeply and his memory and legacy are wonderful blessings. Now, they announced that there's going to be a celebration of life in March. I think March 22nd was the date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I'm surprised that they're they're holding off that long. I, I think back to the more recent um, you know, losses that the Padres have, have had, going back to Tony Gwynn, uh, Dick Enberg. You know, so the, the, the tributes that they've had have tended to come pretty quickly. But 
at the same time, I think that's kind of appropriate. That's probably when they're going to have the new jer- the new patch design, and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna ramp into ramping up the season, which I'm sure Peter would be so excited for. Is that going to be here at Petco Park? I didn't, I didn't see that. You know, I didn't. I, I believe that's. I, I don't know where else they would have it, and right. nothing else would seem to fit. Yeah, I, I got to imagine it's going to be something like you know when everybody showed out for Tony Gwynn and that's, that's the, the one thing I wasn't here in, in town when, when that happened. And I, so I wasn't able to come down here and be a part of that. Um, you know, but that's, that's the last time I could think of that. There was somebody that was that kind of universally appreciated in this city. Yeah. That's gonna be fantastic. And I hope they do televise it on kind of whatever, what, however the baseball games will be televised next year. Uh, those tickets are going to be hard to come by and, uh, it's just, fantastic you know i um you know it's it, it's it's tough when you you know it's funny because we're a totally random subject we were watching the crown last night and it was the episode where princess diana died and uh like i never met that woman but you know i, I know what she meant to the world and, and what you know how she captivated the world's uh attention on uh on you know, not only her marriage, but going into the divorce and just she was the people's princess. And there was some pretty poignant scenes in there. And, and both me and Liddy, we got a, we got a little verklempt, man. And it was really interesting how, you know, how so many people identified with that woman. And I think that's what a lot of people here in San Diego do with Peter Seidler is they identify with him because there is the honesty. There's the there's the genuine, um, you know, he's very genuine. And I think people are attracted to that. So um, I just wanted to point that out, kind of the not similarities, but kind of, you know, kind of similarities there as well. You know, it's a little bit different, though, because like Tony Gwynn, we saw him play. You know, you're watching him, what, four or five, six days a week. You're seeing him on TV. You got baseball cards and all this. And then Princess Diana was, I mean, media absolute phenomenon. She was on the cover of every magazine. Peter Seidler was behind the curtain much more. You know, he'd make a handful of public appearances a, a, a year um i mean people would see him around the ballpark no doubt but yeah you know, it's not like he was on on media all the time um he's somebody that we got to know about secondhand third hand um but you know seeing what the padres have become the last handful of years and also hearing about all the things he did off the field um you know it's it's going to be a nice tribute for him Right and after the beginning of last season during spring training all the quotes that came you know is it uh what was it you know, they asked him about sustainability. Well, is it sustainable to do nothing? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. That's some in your face kind of like, let me do what I'm going to do and back up and watch. Did you? Okay. So one of the things on our list here is talking about Oakland, the Oakland A's. So apparently he was a holdout. He was trying to hold a group of owners together to keep the A's in Oakland. He was against that vote that, uh, that they needed all the owners to agree to allow the A's to leave. Um, and it wasn't until after he passed that the commissioner got all the, all the representatives together and, and they finally passed the vote to send Oakland to Las Vegas. Um, yeah, but that, that made me feel even better about the guy. I mean, you look at what city of Oakland's losing, and it's horrible to to watch it happen like that. It's it's just like when the Spanos family ripped the Chargers out of San Diego, and it's like it's like that that wasn't right, and you didn't do it the right way. You, you did it right on paper. You followed the the letter of the law, but come on, the way you went about it, it's pretty clear what you had in mind the whole time. 
Yeah. I uh, saw that tweet too. I saw it somewhere. I don't know who tweeted that, but if you can't let something like if you can't love this guy enough, it's he was holding out for them to stay in Oakland. And poor Oakland. They've lost their basketball team. They've lost their football team. Now they've lost their baseball team. Um, I wow, man, that's 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 tough. You know, you think we got it bad. We just lost a football team. They've lost all three major professional sports. Right. So let's segue into that. So our minor league news. So Jeff Passan tweeted today with the Oakland days set to move to Las Vegas. A group of East Bay fans has created a team that will play in the independent pioneer league starting in 2024. That team's name, the Oakland, Oakland Ballers, Ballers, also known as the Oakland bees. Oh. I love it. I love it. It's I mean, a little, you know, a, a, a group of East Bay fans are, you know, is there is there an ownership group or a bunch of guys getting together? Like, how did they how did they afford that? Independent ball is not cheap. I mean, to own a professional or even semi-professional team is not cheap. And what other teams are here in the Pioneer League? What other teams are in this area? I have no idea, but they'll they'll figure out how to make it work. They already have a theme song. Wanna be a baller, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the impala. <laughs> how old are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm 44, <laughs> but I grew up in those in those age. I do. <laughs> well, that's that's it's pretty awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, it, okay, so it looks like the Pioneer League is like Midwest. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. So this is like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado. Okay, all right. So I mean, not too far, and you got to fly to a lot of those places. So you know, just point the uh, point your little single engine Cessna the other direction and. Fly on over to Oakland. Well, let's definitely follow that because I want to see where they play. I, I want to see how that goes. And yeah, can you uh, imagine Pioneer League baseball in the uh, in the Oakland Coliseum? Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> no, it won't be there. You couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. No, it's probably going to happen at some nice high school ballpark or something like that. <laughs> All right, so we have some minor league transactions to talk about. The Padres have been doing a little, a little bit. bit of work under the surface. Um, on the 15th, Britt Garoli tweeted out that outfielder Cal Mitchell has agreed to a minor league deal with the Padres that will include an invite to big league spring training. Uh, Mitchell, a former Pirates second-round pick, is from Rancho Bernardo, a homecoming for a local guy who committed to USD before he was drafted. Um, so I did a little bit of looking into him. Sounds like he's a, like a high-contact, good strike zone control command kind of a guy. Not a whole lot of power. Um, he's not the athletic center fielder kind of guy, uh, but steady Eddie playing the corners. So, yeah. you know, it's somebody that you put in AAA, and you never know if an opportunity opens up. Um, and then next on the list, Dennis Lins tweeted out that the Padres signed shortstop Mason McCoy to a minor league deal with a spring training invite. Uh, McCoy, age 28, made his big league debut with the Blue Jays in August. He figures to compete for a bench utility job in camp. Um, he's played pretty much everywhere on the diamond. Um, yeah. Same kind of thing. He hits pretty well. He gets on base, a good clip, not a ton of power, but, you know, he's got a, a whole sack full of gloves. Absolutely. And you, you never know when you're going to need them. And that depth is so important. It really it is, is. It's so important. So having more than one glove in your bag is very important. Yeah. You never know when somebody could go all Brandon Dixon and have 12 RBIs in a game somewhere and uh, earn their call up. The Mad yeah. Friar said he'll probably be playing the part of like Tim Lopes, Max Schrock this right. year. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So also now uh, minor league central, central, have reported that the Padres signed Jose Espada to a minor league contract. 
The pitcher had a 2.81 ERA along with 110 strikeouts this past season. The contract includes an invitation to major league spring training. Yeah. Now, wasn't it just last episode we were talking about them non-tendering Jose Espada? Yeah. And I said, you know, you never know if somebody's going to sign back. So wouldn't be surprised to see Taylor Colway or somebody else, you know, one of those other guys on the way back on a on a different contract than what they left on. Uh, and then finally, first baseman Robert Perez Jr. Uh, Britt Gurley tweeted out that uh, he has signed a minor league deal with the Padres with a spring training invite. Um, he's age 23. I found this interesting. He's the son of Robert Perez, a Venezuelan league legend whose name is El Hombre Historia, the history <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, he was in the Seattle organization. What um, a random quote. What a random. <laughs> yeah. Trivia. Yeah. I love that fun stuff. Yeah. Is it right. is it Jeff Passan or Passan? You know, I'm, I haven't asked him personally. I've, 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 I've always thought Passan, like a, like a Volkswagen Passat. Yeah, let's reach out. Let's have him on the pod. No, I, I asked him. I asked him at the winter meetings. He's like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> he he's the, the yeah, ESPN guy, guy in baseball. Come on. Yeah. Between him, him and Ken Rosenthal, good luck tying either of those guys down. Yeah, and, and Kenny, he he avoided eye contact with me most the weekend. <laughs> most the weekend. Well, I mean, um, you are tall. Ooh, dude, man. Sorry, so finally, sorry. I, I did no, dude. I, I did. I finally walked by him, and and I guess I must have given up. I'm not going to bug you to come on the podcast vibes. He said, "Hey, oh, and he gave me the hey. You got a hey out of him as he scurried by." I mean, I mean, at the winter meetings, those guys, those two in particular, they're yeah. just bouncing all over the place like ping pong yeah. balls. And I can't imagine how how fast their phone burns up batteries with all the text messages and phone calls and everything they're on. I mean, they're those two guys are like trying to beat each other out to be the first one to correctly break some news. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even sure what I was going to ask him being a minor league podcast. Like, so, hey, what do you think? Well, I mean, when I ran into Jason Stark and he actually said yes, like I didn't know what to say. Like, okay, I'm going to talk to you for two minutes. What can I talk about? Thankfully, I just read an article of his that week, so I was able to talk about something. Oh my goodness, God! You know, and he was so sweet. He was so nice. He called. You know, he's like, you know, baseball rats like us. I'm like, damn, Jason Stark, dude, just that year was was put in the the Hall of Fame, the the Writers Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, the Ford C Frick Award, I think. Yes, sir. Yeah, but he's kind of on a different side of it. He's not out there to break news. He's out there to write the interesting analytical. Like I just love his his writing and yeah. talk about the wacky wild stuff, the the statistical anomalies and the the crazy names and all of this. I I love that side of of, of sports writing. And he also gets into some really interesting kind of you know investigative kind of stuff too. Yeah, Starkville. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a podcast. Just like hey, maybe we inspired him to start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> all right. So we're about to talk to Jacob Marcy. Uh, but to remind you all who he is, um, as if you haven't been listening to us talk about him all summer, tell us about the this article out of MLB.com. Well, Jesse Barrick has eight eye-popping stats from the 2023 Arizona Fall League. So Marcy steals the show with the with must-see season. Jacob Marcy put together a campaign that made his inclusion on the list a venerable Take your pick of eye-popping achievements. He's he swatted exactly half of his hits, 18 of the 36 for extra bases in route to pacing the circuit with a 707 slugging percentage, the third highest mark in the dec past decade. 
I don't know why I had to go to that. It just seemed like a thing to do. Old timey radio. Right. <laughs> During the historic regular season, the Padres number 12th prospect was the first minor leaguer since 2005 to amass 15 homers, 40 stolen bases and 90 walks. Then he utilized that momentum to become the first player in franchise history to win the Joe Black Arizona Fall League MVP honors. Congratulations to Jacob Marcy. And we're going to bring him on right here. And Donovan, you're going to put on your regular voice again, right? <laughs> yes, I will be my regular voice. Yes. All right. We'll be right back with Jacob Marcy. Jacob Marcy was drafted in the sixth round in the 2022 draft at a Central Michigan University. After a quick stop in Lake Elsinore in 2022, the Allen Park Michigan native started the year in high A Fort Wayne, where he slashed 273, 413, and 425 with more walks than strikeouts. He also had 41 steals, earning an end-of-the-season promotion to bolster the playoff-bound San Antonio Missions, finally earning him a trip to the Arizona Fall League, where he was MVP after slashing 391, 505, 791 with five homers, 16 steals, and a circuit best in slugging, OPS, runs, hits, doubles, extra base hits, total bases. Get Call the fire department. Put this guy out because he is on fire. Jacob Marcy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hey, we're doing good. So you're calling us from from icy cold Michigan. How's the weather up there right now? Uh, so a couple of days ago, we got the first snowfall that I, I've seen since I've been here. So um, a little bit of snow on the ground, uh, but it's definitely nice getting back back home. Do you ski? Do you snowboard or anything like that? No, no. I honestly, I don't like the snow at all. <laughs> since <laughs> you signed with the potters like dude if i'm gonna make the majors i want it to be warm in the beginning of the season i want spring training to be warm um so growing up in detroit you a tigers fan yeah huge tigers fan i i used to have like um some birthday parties and just used to go to the, all the games there all the time who uh who were your guys um i mean obviously miggy but um i liked Padre rodriguez um uh, curtis granderson um Ian Kinsler when he was there, just a uh, bunch, bunch of different guys. Curtis Granderson, he's got, that guy's got a lot of personality. He's got to yeah. be a he's got to be making his way onto a TV show or something someday. <laughs> so yeah. I hear you played your first game in <laughs> T-ball before your second birthday. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was um, it was my uh, older brother. He had a T-ball game and they needed like a fill in. They didn't have enough guys, and friends like he can go play. So I, I just went out there and. And played, and I was, I was, uh, it was like the day before my second birthday. They said. So, so one year old Jake, so could you, could you swing a bat? You could, could you throw a ball. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could do, I could do enough. I mean, it was just T ball, so not like I had to do anything special. Um, <laughs> just have no one, no one knows how to field the ball then, anyway. So it's, I fit in. <laughs> right, it's a bunch of bunch of cluster of kids just kind of moving around, and a bunch of adults yelling at him. No, go that yeah. way. Throw the ball. I went yeah. poopy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so in high school, your goal was to go to a D one school. Uh, did you get a scholarship to Central Michigan? Were you recruited there? Were you looking at other schools? Yeah, um, I got a scholarship from uh, Central Michigan, and then I I talked to a couple other um max schools and then uh, a couple d2 schools had uh, reached out to me so if i if I, honestly if i didn't end up going to central i would have went d2 instead of the other max schools i just ended up 
realizing through the recruiting process that that division one doesn't necessarily matter and i just wanted to go where i was going to be uh, most comfortable and and where i felt like I could grow the most you know, we've heard that from other people that you know they want to go where they have an opportunity where they're that's that's more important than the status of playing for a SEC school or Division One or whatever. So you mentioned Mac. Were you trying to stay like in that general area to stay kind of close to home? No, that's just all that got. That, that's all I had. That's all that reached out to me. That's all. That, so it just happened to be that way. Just that's a small conference that's in my area, and um, that's who came at me. So. Nice. Well, it sounds like the experience there was great because your team went to the tourney twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've I've heard that Coach Bischel creates a sense of family. How's that kind of influenced you as you've gone on with your career? Yeah, honestly, like uh, growing up and um, just all the teams I played on, I felt like I was uh, just had super close relationships with all the people that I played with, and that was something that's super important to me going through the recruiting process. So, and he told me that he wants the teams he has to have fun and uh, play as a family, but they're also going to work hard and play the right way. Like uh, that just really stood out to me. And that's where I um, kind of fell, fell in love with CMU. And then um, just going into now, I feel like uh, just the group of prospects I've been able to come up with and um, being able to grow close to them um, and play together with them. I think that's all helped tremendously as well. Well, I think these guys, the picture of you, or the little video of you jumping into jumping into Polly's arms is is going to be around for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, that one's hilarious. We were just messing around, and I was like, I saw the video camera, and I was like, "Hey, get a video of this," and that's just kind of how that that uh, came. So, do you think play- he caught you? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> you played three summers in the Northwoods uh, Woodbat League. How was that? Yeah, so well, my first summer I actually got COVID, so I only played like two games. Um, and then I just went, I was young enough to play just travel ball. So I just went back and played some travel ball. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I think it was a great experience and it got me definitely ready for the lifestyle of playing professional baseball and playing every day and learning how to lift, um, before games, just all that stuff. I think, um, it helped me a lot. Um, so I was super grateful for my time I had there. Was there much of an adjustment going from an aluminum bat to a wood bat for you? No, honestly, I liked it better, especially when we were playing in the cold because you get jammed or you hit it off the end. It doesn't hurt. It just breaks. It was <laughs> um, it was perfect. I was used, I was used to when uh, you don't hit it on the barrel in the cold, then um, you hurt your fingers. Um, but I didn't have to deal with that this year. Dude, you've played a couple times with in the, you've had to have played in the snow there in Michigan a couple times. Yeah, there was one time I played at, uh, well, probably a couple times at Central for sure in snow, but um, there was one time I can remember we were playing at Kent State, and it was like the seventh inning, and it started snowing a little bit, and by the ninth inning, it was like a blizzard, but we only had like two outs to go, so they just kept us playing, and I was in center field at the time, and I couldn't even see the ball game pitched home. It was so bad. (laughs) Was it a couple of years ago that uh, there was a game in Detroit, and Miggy hit an opposite field home run in like driving snow? Yeah, that was super cool. That was like opening day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I watched his last that last game. I was able to watch his last at bats, and you know, I, like we're old enough to watch. I remember when he was when he came up with the Marlins playing against the Cubs, and just you know the skinny kid. They're like, oh, he's gonna be this great kid. You know, I didn't know that much about prospects. Um, he hits the opposite field. He is in the home run, and just he starts taking off. Um, what a fantastic career! How great to be alive, really. For, to to see someone win the triple crown like that's that's freaking rare 
Yeah, honestly, I mean, the amount of memories that I have going to the games and just uh, watching him and just all the other guys play is super special. And I was um, really lucky to be that close to be able to go to that many games. So the cold weather, you're one of the few guys that's used to that. So starting out the season in Fort Wayne, what was the weather like when the season started there? Uh, I think it was like 30, 30. The first game was really, it was actually pretty nice. It was like 45 um pretty nice i mean i thought i was wearing shorts I, I, but i was wearing short sleeves so no one else was i just me and then uh then by the end of the weekend it was like 30 and it was really cold um but yeah were some of the uh, latin players coming up to you like what i need help help me figure right. out how to, how to survive this yeah i was trying i was trying to help the best i could but at that point it's kind of just like Best of luck. I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing you can really do. <laughs> and definitely throw all the numbers away. Everything you know, in the first month and a half of the season, I think they just like, all right, we just want to see. It's more like uh, like two a days when I played football in high school. It's like, yeah. just going to bust your ass and it's going to suck, but you'll be better for it somehow. Yeah, 100%. Hey, so let's talk about draft day. Mm-hmm. Where, where uh, you know, did you think you would go on the first day? Where were you? And did you guys have a get together? Um, no, so, uh, no, I never thought first day was an option. I never heard anything even like close to it. So I wasn't worried about that, but, um, my draft day story was a little different because my little brother was playing in, um, Cooperstown at the all-star village. So I was, I, I uh, decided to go with my family there. Cause obviously I want to be with my uh, parents and brother. And, um, I actually, it was my brother's turn to, um, like visit Cooperstown, the Hall of Fame. And I was across the street on a bench when I got the phone call. Um from I was across the street from the Hall of Fame and I got when I got drafted. So that that's my story. Just it was me and uh, my two parents and then um my little brother and then my older brother was on FaceTime because he was at home. But that, that's that's my draft story. Oh Dude, man. Yeah. Let's not project too much here, but I'm I'm gonna do it anyway. Like that has got to be. I mean, you you make the majors, you have a 20 year career, you make it to the Hall of Fame, and that speech starts with I. The day I got drafted, I was right across the street, right in front of you know some memorabilia store. I've been I've been there before, and, and it's just a phenomenal place. Just. That's, That's how like one of those story. Hallmark movies starts, right? right? I know, 100%. It's <laughs> funny too because with a couple times I've like told some people like, yeah, I was like on a bench across the street from the Hall of Fame when I got drafted. They're like, look at me, like, why would you go there for right. for draft day? And they never like really understand the story until finally like I I tell them like, oh, my little brother was. That's a set time he had to go to the Hall of Fame, and that just happened to be when um, the draft was going on. So. Well, I don't think a lot of people know about that Cooperstown complex. My my dad was a little league umpire for like 30 years. And for a while, him and a group of friends were traveling out there every summer to go volunteer and umpire the games. Um, And their travel ball teams that come from all over the country, all over the world, really. Is that something you got to do as a kid? Yeah. So there's two different parks. There's just, there's the dreams park, which I played at. And honestly, that ever, like every tournament I went to, like, nothing could top that for me that was like the most special like um tournament i got to go to like you got to live with your uh teammates and um you got to play at night under the lights like the fence were 200 feet so like you like it was like the first time i probably ever hit a home run in my life like was probably there so like obviously it was just super <laughs> special uh, uh 
experience for me and then my brother played at all-star village so i got to experience like both sides and it was really cool to get to um see him um experience that too and um that was a lot of fun now is that the older or younger brother younger younger brother okay yeah. well shout All out right. to your family so so how old's your younger brother my younger brother's 13 and then uh, i have an older brother and he's uh 24 what's your older brother up to these days he's working at delta right now um so my parents have been lucky enough to and him um to be able to use like his flight benefits to come see me and uh they did a couple times in arizona so that was really cool Who's your oh, flight attendant? No, he's just doing baggage right now. Okay. Yeah. You still get the same benefits though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, epic. <laughs> he's not one of those guys you see in the videos, right? Throwing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I kind of want to go and like watch him do it. See, see how he does. <laughs> uh, so that's what happens to my gear. That's why my shit's always messed up. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so who, who called you? Who was your area scout? Who, who called you on the call? Was it your obviously your agent, but who called from the Padres? Uh, Matt Maloney. Well, he was the area scout. Um, nice. Yeah. Were other teams talking to you, or did you have an idea about where you would go? Um, there was like, I think there was around like um, eight to ten teams that said I could go anywhere from like five to ten on that day two spot, and then um, every other team pretty much besides. Beth likes said that I could go day three. That likes and said I wasn't draftable. So <laughs> I won't forget Ooh. that one. Yeah, watch <laughs> out. Watch out when you face up against the A's. A little vengeance in that bat. You know, we were just talking about it's hard. It's going to be hard to root for the Las Vegas A's. I mean, yeah. right now you root for the Oakland A's because they're just, you know, they're like you're just your, you're, you're just horrible. You're, you're, what am I trying to say here? Just, I love the fans shit. and I hate the owner, you yeah, know, and it's, I feel for those fans owner. that are getting their team stripped away from them. That, that right. uh, ballpark though, it looks like it could be pretty cool though. I don't know how I'm sure. Cool. I'm sure when it was rocking, I mean, the place could hold 50,000 people. So, you know, when things were good, I'm sure it was amazing. Uh, but like we saw here and we had Jack Murphy stadium or I went back in the nineties. I remember seeing 60 plus thousand people just going bonkers, Trevor Hoffman would come out, Hell's Bells, and the thing was just a scene. But yeah. in the final days, you could really tell the age. Like the 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 facilities were outdated. The place just it did not hold up. And it sounds like they've let that Coliseum go. It's it's a shame. The people of Oakland deserve better. The new ballpark should be pretty sweet. I think yeah. that's what he was he was aiming at. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But right, so, so, was the, were, so was the Raiders. So was the Raiders standing when they stink. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous down there in Oakland. It's going to be a destination kind of a thing. Yeah, so you know. were going into your junior year when you were drafted. Did you declare your major yet? Were you, did you know what you're studying? Yeah, I only had one year of school left. So um, my major is general business administration. So I'm actually still taking classes right now, trying to get my degree. So that's how far I'm, are you from uh, from finishing that off? Um, like five classes. Including oh, nice. now, so really close. So Polly's got the economics degree, right? You got the business sense. You guys are gonna start a you know venture capitalist. What are you guys gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Polly's a little bit smarter than me. He went to Duke, so I can give it to him. <laughs> yeah, but he was drafted in the twelfth round. Like you got you got six <laughs> rounds on him, man. <laughs> All right. So hey, your teammate Mario Caminelli, Caminelli, Camilletti was also drafted by the White Sox. Did you meet up with him in spring training? Yeah, so we got to play each other one time in rookie ball, so that was really cool. And then um, 
spring training, we get when got food together a couple times, and then we had a couple other uh, guys from CMU that were on teams. Ones with the Dodgers, ones with the Brewers, and um, so we all got together one day, and one of the kids' family was there, and we all went to uh, dinner together. So that was really cool. That's freaking rad. Mm -hmm. All right. So going into this season, you you had the short 2022, and then you go into this off season. Uh, you know, how did you prepare? Because this season was long for you, man. Like it, it's, you, it's a very long season. It's your first full season. What did you do uh, to kind of prepare for this season, going, um, you know, conditioning wise? Yeah, I mean, um, there was a couple times I was back and forth between um, Arizona, just going to camps and then come back here. So, um, I mean, I, I was on a good like workout program and everything, and kept up with uh, the speed stuff, um, and then. I actually Mario Camilletti, I, I work out with if him when I'm home. We go to a facility together and we do all of our baseball stuff and work out together and do some running stuff too. So um that's that's basically how my off season went last year. Are there gonna be any changes uh going into this off season? No, not not really. Um maybe just like where we work out's a little different, but other than that, I'll be Dude, how, how stoked was your brother to have you there and his his teammates to have you there to help with the uh, with the with the workout? He's a he's a little different. I don't know. He um he like obviously thinks it's cool, but um he doesn't really like act like that in front of like his friends or anything or even me. He just kind of acts like he's like cool and used to it or like why why do people like I don't know he. He, he's he's different, but he he obviously likes having me there, but he would never show it. That sounds like an early teenager. It's, it reminds yeah. me of like going to the mall with my mom, and I would walk forty feet in front because I don't <laughs> want anybody to know. <laughs> and then like fast forward ten years, and I'm like, hey, this is my mom. Have you met my mom? Hey, <laughs> you know, it's so different. Okay, so June, like the first few months of the season were a little bit slow, and then in June you took off. Like, were there some adjustments that you made? Uh, as as the season was going along, that kind of helped you turn it up a notch. Yeah, I mean, I had a a couple things that I tweaked in my swing that um, helped me a lot, obviously, and um, I think that that was the main thing. And then, on, obviously, um, I think another thing was just gaining confidence in myself once I made those adjustments and um, saw them pay off. And then from there, it just. Um, I, I had a good approach. It was just I was a little bit timid um, early on in the season because I didn't feel like I could hit hit the ball how I wanted to. And then once I realized I could, I I, I became more aggressive, like I I was um, used to being. <laughs> that makes okay. sense. So, so you, absolutely. So you know you show power and speed, yet you're not a power guy and you're not a stolen base guy. What? Who is the real Jacob Marcy? No, I mean uh, honestly, I just. I just <laughs> I love hearing people um, say I'm not fast and I don't, I'm not, I don't have power and stuff. I, I, I just, I kind of, I kind of laugh at it in a way. Um, but honestly, I just try to um, do a little bit of everything and honestly just do what I can to help, help my team win. I mean, it's not like I go up there and try to go hit a homer. Like, right. honestly, like I heard someone say like one time, like a homer is a mistake. And I, I totally agree. Like, it's not like when I go up there, I'm not trying to hit a homer. It just kind of like, if it happens, it happens, but I'm really just trying to go up there and get a base hit and get on base. Like that's, I just know my role. And um, I just, that's, that's all I'm trying to do. You know, with stolen bases, it, it's, you know, it's not, 
and how fast you are, it's, you know, it's the first step. It's the knowing when to steal. Uh, who worked on that with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I always um, kind of had it in me a little bit just from um, playing three sports and um, just from that. But uh, my coach at Central was really good um, with those, and he that's where it started. He talked about a lot of things that I could pick up on and a um, bunch of different ways to steal. So I worked a lot with him there. We like would bring out uh, TV and we would look at the TV and we would uh, steal off the TV, off videos of pictures. And um, so I got good at that there. And I, I still did that a little bit um, now. And then when I got to uh, the Padres, I, I worked more with a couple different um, people that are good at that stuff too. So speaking of that, who are some some mm-hmm. coaches or some players or you know off field? Who who are some people that have really kind of helped you a lot this year? Uh, I mean, not to put you on the spot, right? There's so many, but, but uh, I think the big one, like hitting coach wise, is uh, Pat O'Sullivan. Um, he's really good. He he knows his stuff and um, he doesn't overcomplicate things. He keeps it simple, and I think it helps a lot. And then obviously Aaron Bray did a great job um, in Fort Wayne too, but um some other people like uh ryan barbara uh he actually helped me with my swing too which he he was like the first one to make the the changes in june that you guys talked about that uh helped me a lot out a lot and um then my outfield and base running guy there is uh vinnie lopez so i worked with him quite a bit too so pat was a pat was a hitting coach in the fall league yeah yeah that was really fun having him there you know, it's funny on, on an unrelated note, uh, your manager there, Morgan Ensberg, uh, mm-hmm. we've been around, like we're looking to move to the back there uh, in the coming years. And one of the, one of the cities we stopped by was in Chattanooga and he was managing, um, they, they were playing, they were playing the lookouts. God, he, he's with the, uh, I think he's with the Tampa Montgomery. Bay Rays organization. Yeah. Montgomery biscuits. Yeah. The biscuits. That's right. And I'm like, Morgan, Donovan Jones, Padre fan. We're out here doing, he's like, yeah, really. You guys had to move down to Montgomery. He he chatted with us like in between innings a couple of times. Like, yeah, you guys had to come down to Montgomery, and it's a really great city. You'd love it there. We're like, all right, you know. And, and that day was the day that um, it was the same day that the, the 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 guy in their organization was was killed by his brother, or had killed his wife. No, he killed his his so one of the family members. His wife was killed in in like by a family member on that day, and we just, I remember leaving the field and like the next day going, "Holy shit!" And he left the team. He went to go be with the player, and it was just a whole thing. It was a couple of several years back. Um, but when I saw him as the manager, I'm like, "Yeah, Morgan, he's got the goat now." Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I I actually uh, really enjoyed being able just to have conversations with him and. Um, learn from him and his experiences and uh, just, he's definitely a player's coach and um, it's, it's, it was really fun. So I, I read a lot of prospect stuff. So I'm looking at scouting reports and all this. And I see people say that your build isn't typical for a center fielder, that you're built like a running back, this kind of thing. But you've, you've drawn nothing but praise for your defense this year. What do you have to say to your doubters that say this kind of stuff about you? <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I like, uh, I like seeing that stuff in a way, but um, obviously it uh, irritates me at times. But no, I people people have their opinions, and it's always going to be that way. So I'm not going to 
look too far into that stuff. Do you want yeah, to people said, center field? I mean, I would love to, but I, whatever whatever gets me on the field at the highest level is what I want to do. But yeah, center field is my favorite, and it's always something that I I want well the place I wanted to be at, um, just because you can cover all the ground there and stuff. But wherever I end up is where I end up, and that's perfectly okay with me. Right on. Well, so far out of what 160 games you played in the minors, you've been 145 have been center field. That says something. Yeah. I, I see people say that kind of thing about Trent Grisham, and he's got a couple of gold gloves. Yeah. Kirby Puckett is somebody that came to mind that was built like a spark plug or like a fire plug. Uh, but I mean, one of the game's all time great center fielders. So I understand you played basketball, football, you were a defensive back, wide receiver. Um, do you think growing up playing other sports has kind of helped your center field defense? Yeah, hundred percent. Especially, um, especially football. I mean, I played safety, so um, I mean that's all about like uh, getting reads and stuff like that. So I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I played was just to stay in shape. But ultimately, it all helped. Um, they all helped me athletically and um, helped me with center field, obviously too. You know, one of the Texas? things. Yeah, well, one time I, I drove at like the pylon, and I was clearly like in bounds and everything. And he called it; he, they called it out of bounds. So, yeah, I remember that one. I count it, but they didn't count it. Like <laughs> I got, I got another one too. So. <laughs> Pull up the replay. Yeah. One of the things that I see outfielders do that I it baffles me every time is. You turn your back to the to the play, and then you yeah. run, and then you turn and you find the ball again, and that's something that I mean I've obviously never done it. I played little league, that's about it, uh, but that's got to be such a difficult thing to do. So, like being a defensive back, you don't really know where the ball is going to be coming from. You just got to turn around and find it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even like um, with being a defense back and it being that way, uh, obviously that helped me. But there are still times where I. I never wanted to take my eye off the ball and um, stuff, but I just learned that uh, if, when you do take your eye off the ball, you gain more ground and you cover more ground and get there quicker. So that's definitely something that I learned, but it, it definitely took time. Yeah, definitely right, so, head, head on a swivel as well. Yeah. So kicking butt all year, you got to earn your way up to San Antonio along with a whole bunch of really good players. Uh, how was that whole experience? I mean, it's really cool. I mean, anytime you can uh, – um, move obviously that's super cool but at the same time when you get to move with um guys on your team but they weren't just like guys on the team to me like those were like my best friends on the team and um obviously the whole time through minors so that was a super cool experience just being able to play with them and and be able to go up there together so you and Polly and martarella you guys are all pretty tight yeah yeah i was uh roommates with martarella almost all the year and then when when i wasn't roommates with him i was roommates with Polly. so um, but yeah, I mean, we always, um, we were always in there working out together. Um, just everything. Yeah. We were all pretty close. Dude. What's Motorilla? He can motor too. He, he can, he's pretty fast. What's his nickname. Do you got a nickname for him? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> you just call him like Marty, but, um, he definitely, he definitely gets irritated when some of the coaches like mess with him about his speed or anyone messes with him about his speed. Cause he actually, he actually doesn't, he moves pretty good. And, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't get enough credit for that. All right, so we're talking about roommates. Uh, is who who is the the messy one out of you guys living together? Out of who? Me and Polly. You, yeah. Polly Martarella, and, and whoever oh. else you were shacked up with the last year and a half. 
Polly Polly's the messy one. <laughs> we uh, love digging up the dirt. Who did all the cooking? Um I mean me and Polly, like when I roomed with him, we were in fall leagues and the only thing we could really make was breakfast and we both we both did that every day. So <laughs> I, I guess you can't really I can't really be the judge of it, but um Cedeno, when i roommate we was roommates with him he he cooked a good amount too he he cooked a lot of uh venezuelan food yeah newillian so yeah. what kind of, okay so what kind of stuff would he make i I'm, I'm not all that familiar with with the uh, venezuelan food he would make like plantains and like they have bananas on like everything um and then so he would always have like rice bananas um chicken uh i don't i don't really know he had oh, plantains are so good How, where do you find right. plantains in fort wayne they must have a lot well, like, or something he would go get bananas and like cut them up and like boil them and or do whatever he had to do and it was like a whole process but he made them and they were pretty good nice nice dude that's that's epic no william yeah. with the with the chef yeah no <laughs> i think his mom sends him recipes and he he goes and do, does them Okay, so how did you find out you were going to the Arizona Fall League? It was it was like our first couple of days in um, San Antonio, and I think we were like having – it might have been our first day, honestly, and we were like um, talking to the coach a bunch, and they finally brought us back in there. We didn't know like what they were going to tell us about, and they're like, hey, you three, you're going to the, the Fall League, and that's basically how we found out. It was like right when we got to San Antonio, so we, we knew pretty much uh, from then on. Hey, that's some advanced notice. You got a few yeah. weeks left in the season. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's whenever they could find out they, they let us know so that um probably so that we didn't get too caught up on like, oh, we're going home on this day and stuff like that. Start making plans. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's talk about the folly, man. Let's God, I mean, you were just tearing it up. What you know, what changed? It's funny, I, I, I tweeted out because it was good to see you, you know, continue to perform, but like so late in the season, you know, most guys are are getting tired, you know, you know, the bat speed's kind of losing it. Uh, but you just seem to take off. Um, you seem to find where was that gear? Where did that gear come from? I mean, I think the whole year I was trying to like um just always like get better and get better and get better so that like at the end of the year I I could be at my best just because um that that was my goal throughout the whole year is just to be able to improve the whole year and be playing like my best baseball at the end. And um, actually whenever I like got, was out for like two weeks in um, San Antonio, when I got hurt, I was able to get with Pat and uh, we were able to work on um, just the littlest like thing with like my hands. And um, I was able to like stay tighter. And then uh, from then on, it was just like, I was super comfortable and um, I was just kind of like locked in and I don't really know. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it was, it was super fun. I was kind of surprising myself at times too. I think. Well, hey, you talked about having, having confidence. Is that something that you guys talked about? Were there things that you worked on to try to, to unlock that? Or is it just something that came with having a little bit of success? I think it just success and uh, repetition. I mean, these pitchers are all unbelievable and, um yeah the um the mac was um good and there was but there was some teams i think that obviously didn't have the best pitching out there um so i think there was some times where i i could not be feeling my best and get away with uh whatever i had out there compared to like you kind of have to um i mean the pitching is just different and yeah. You kind of got to get used to the way the ball moves nowadays and the velocity and all that stuff. So once I like finally got comfortable 
facing that and being a being on time with um 98 then everything else became really easy well not easy but easier (laughs) (laughs) it it was pretty easy in the fall league to hit 98 it's funny i i played 20 years of rec ball and i've seen 85 and that's gas dude i mean my 30 year old i mean this is when i started playing when i was 30 like at 30 i see 85 and you know and back then i could catch up to it but i mean dude that's 98 she's got to be just got to be pepper. I mean, so how, how do you learn how to be on time for that? Is that, right. were you doing like high velo work or were you just trying to start earlier or, or figure out how to make your mechanics, like be real quick to the ball or how'd you, how'd you get there? Um, I mean, I think it kind of all uh, starts with like approach and knowing what the pitcher has and what, what their pitches do. Um, because then you can, you can pick up on the pitches earlier because I think that's the biggest thing is just picking up on the pitches earlier and being able to um, uh, decide to swing sooner. Um, that's that's just the biggest thing. But, I mean, starting a little bit earlier definitely definitely helped. Um, but I, I think nothing – as much as you can try to prepare for it, nothing can really prepare you for it like, uh, like just facing it. Yeah. Reps. Yeah. Reps. All right. So, so as we- you moved up from – high a to double a to the arizona league did you find that that there were what kind of differences did you find as you move from one level to another so it's weird because i don't maybe it was just um just happened to be like um the teams we had played at the time or um something but i think the the difference between high a and double a for me i think the the stuff that we were facing in high a was just unbelievable like it was it was nasty um every day no matter who we're facing and then when you got to double a i don't think the the stuff was as good as it was in high but i think that people were uh, just a lot better at locating and hitting the corners and um just not giving in i think that was the biggest difference easier to hit 98 down the middle than it is to hit 92 on the corners yeah yeah 100 percent a straight 98 <laughs> compared to a 92 with movement it's definitely yeah. but i i think we're almost we're almost going to get you out of here. It's got to be ten o'clock. It's a little after ten there in, in Michigan. Um, so how is so, so? Let's light it up a little bit. How are you spending the holiday break? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. I mean, I got to be home and uh, spend time with my family, and um, so that was obviously super nice. And um, got to see people I haven't seen in a while. Did you do any? Did you help in the kitchen? Did you cook the eggs? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't cook. <laughs> I didn't cook. I didn't help out. I was slacking. Did it hey. wash? Did it? Did you wash dishes? Anything? Um, no, I didn't do anything, honestly. But man, you got usually it easy. When, usually, when I'm home, like a little bit longer before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, I'll help my grandma sometimes with like some of the um, desserts and stuff like that. But I wasn't uh, home home long enough to do that. She had all that stuff done. But by the time I was I was home, but yeah, usually they just kind of tell me get out of the way while they're trying to cook and. <laughs> Um, that's kind of how that goes. <laughs> oh, that's epic. That's okay. So, hey, let's get it to the quick hits. Yeah, we, we got some some quick much. questions. A little rapid fire here to finish it up. Okay, here we go. Quick hits. <clears throat> what do you do? Escape from baseball. Um, I, I do like to uh, just spend time with family and friends, and I like to get outside and do anything outdoors. And um, I like to watch football. Me and Paulie did a lot of that in, in the fall league. Nice. Going walk stuff like that. That's. Do you have, have any superstitions? superstitions? I mean, if I have a good game, I try to repeat everything I did. Um, 
by the before sometimes or like the way I put on my clothes or like um, what time I showered at before the game, like stuff like that. Did you keep like a log of uh, so you remember what I don't remember what I had for lunch today, dude. Well, I just kind of remember I'm like, oh, like I put my left sock on first yesterday. I got to do that again today. Like it's just <sighs> some things like that, but I've tried to get over those. All right. All right. Okay. So can you name the famous actor that is an alumni of central Michigan? There's several, but this one's more, you, you should know this one. I only know Antonio Brown. Oh, that was going to be the second question. <laughs> he was okay, a dumber I got one. and dumber. I got one. Can you name the only alum of Allen Park High School to make it to the majors so far? Glenn Gulliver. Oh, I, I haven't heard that name. That didn't come up on my search. I came up with Tom Tresh. Played nine seasons for the Yankees, like back in the 60s. Well, oh, dude, Glenn, Gulliver was my, Glenn Gulliver was my uh, high school baseball coach, and he's from Allen Park, and he... Uh, he played for the Orioles and Tigers, and he he won a World Series with the Orioles. No kidding. How about that? Okay. Celebrity crush? Mm, Carrie Underwood. Oh. oh, country music fan, of course. All right. Well, I always right. like watching her sing the Sunday Night Football. Uh, right. That, that was oh, right. Oh, yeah. So did Tim you have a comfort Tim food? McGraw, son of Tug McGraw. Comfort food? Um, I'm, my go-to is always pizza, but I... Um, I was like when I was younger, I liked ribs a lot too. Okay, so you're from Detroit, of the Detroit area. There's the Detroit style pizza, the rectangular one that's a little bit thicker crust. Is that is that like your pizza, or you more of a thin crust guy, or just whatever? No, I just like uh, circle, like just traditional pizza. I'm not, I don't like that. (laughs) Rectangle pizza is good, but it doesn't matter to me. I just don't like Chicago style, honestly. It's just weird with the sauce on top. It like I like Chicago stuff, but I gotta be in a certain mood for it. It's like you gotta be ready for that. You can't yeah. just roll up and oh I hey, can't deep just look dish. at sauce and just be super excited to eat that pizza. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Any particular toppings? Pepperoni, sausage. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? No, no. <laughs> I I vehemently disagree. I love ham and pineapple. Martarello eats pi- pineapple on a pizza, right? <laughs> okay. Okay, um, Culver's, White Castle, or In-N-Out? Culver's. White Castle's gross. Really? Okay, local boy. I got to try, try those curd, what are they, curd balls? Cheese, cheese curd? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, the uh, cheese curds that they have little, at Culver's. I think In-N-Out's a little overhyped. Ooh, wow. that's strong. My wife's going to love you. People are going to hate me. <laughs> but I, right. I don't think their fries are good. The, yeah, they're, they're it's questionable. So you made a little bit after San Antonio. Did you guys have Whataburger? No, I never got to to okay. have it. You 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 will next season when you're in Double A. Okay, who's the one person you'd want to meet, living or dead? Um, probably Kobe Bryant. All right, all right. Carry so, on. We're running a quick quick second. <laughs> Ooh, good call. Um, okay, so if there's a movie about your life, who is the star? Who plays you in a movie? I got asked this one time at Fort Wayne. I forgot what I said. I think I said Zach Efron just because everyone else was taken. And I didn't want to just keep repeating people. So I think that's what I went with. So I'll just go with that again. Yeah, but they I do a good job with those like those little questionnaire things before the games. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching those all season. Yeah. All right. So you're stranded on an island with food, water, and shelter. What are the three things that you would need? Shelter. Um. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know, food, water, and shelter. I'd probably need a blanket because 
<laughs> yeah. He didn't say clothes or anything like that. So <laughs> five, five, maybe one. Um, maybe a fishing pool, and makes sense. Phone, phone to get myself off the island. <laughs> there you go. All right. So last one. If you can have a pet that's not a cat or a dog, what would it be? Um, I just fish, fish bowl, little goldfish. Nice. Keep it simple. That's yeah. what Cole said. Yeah, that way he can be out all day and not have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to go oh, take God. my fish on a walk. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right, or we'll scoop the poop. Oh my God, that's why we have a cat. Like I just have oh, a little scoop don't thing. Don't talk and to me about that. Oh my uh, God. And the smell and. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, Jake, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we we've, we've enjoyed watching you and covering you all this season. We're gonna continue covering you. Um, as your as your career progresses, and we're here in San Diego, so we're going to be seeing you here in the next few years in Peco Park. Hopefully, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was super fun talking to you guys, and um, it's been a good time. Hey.